Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request Summer Series. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, in interviewing people, I found a lot of people that kind of run their own business. Uh, you know, you think of people like Leslie Bailey, who was on here, Lauren Carroll, Leah Carroll, uh, Elizabeth Clayton, so many people that I've had on here that run their own business. And I was wondering, like, what is that process? How do you get to that point? You know, you hear these stories of, oh, I was slumming and living on the streets and eating pizza out of the garbage can. And now I own New York. And you're like, wait, what? That's, that's crazy. What, how'd you do that? Um, and you don't really hear that in between, right? You hear A and Z, but you don't get the rest of the story. And that's where I wanted to dive in with people and find out, you know, like, when did they realize that they had a marketable skill or talent? And what did that transition look like? You know, like, what were your support systems between, uh, leaving your day job and, and starting this business and, you know, actually making a paycheck and then what kind of advice do they have? So this is great. I've learned so much and I'm, I'm very excited to pass this on to you guys. And these people are phenomenal. You're going to hear some familiar voices throughout the summer, uh, that you might recognize from some other episodes, but you're also going to hear some really new, unique, amazing voices and, and, and the things that they're doing. So I'm so excited to bring this to you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. My name is Elizabeth Clayton and my business is Little Bit Vintage. I sell uh, vintage clothing and accessories online. It's fun watching your whole account grow from when you started it and that the fact that it's just like the thing you do now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's it's been a journey for sure when did you realize you had a like marketable skill or talent um and what was that like um well, it was kind of a, a, a slow process getting into it. I started a vintage shop just on Etsy I don't, like 10 years ago. And I sold a few things here and there. And everything I put on there sold. Nice. But it was difficult to maintain because I also had a full-time job. And um, it... Did this start with like you just you liked vintage clothing and so then you had extra of it or like how did how did you even get to that point where you were selling it to begin with? Um well yeah that is kind of the thing. Like I have I started shopping vintage clothing for myself when I was in high school and I was broke and I wanted to look cool so I started shopping at the Salvation Army for like old band t-shirts and stuff and yeah. eventually kind of like you find things that are old and you're like, wow, it's old and it's cool. And nobody dresses like this and I'm going to do that. And it's unique. And then I ended up with so much clothes that um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I think it's cool. I'm sure somebody else will think it's cool. So yeah, for sure. um, I really didn't start actively pursuing it as a, a job, as a career, as an income, a source of income until fairly recently. What happened to to get me here was um i got pregnant and divorced uh both in the same year which was very that, yeah that'll do it uh after i went back to work for at starbucks um from my maternity leave uh i didn't have anybody to watch my kid 
And so I was like struggling to find babysitters to get like my mom's schedule organized with my schedule so that somebody could be home with my kid. And I had, I was working full time and I had to cut down to part time because I could only find three days a week for a sitter. Yeah. And so I wasn't working full time and I needed more money. <laughs> and after about like six months of just struggling and, and panicking and not being able to figure out what I wanted to do, I had started dating this guy and I was, he was like, well, don't you like the vintage stuff? Why don't you just sell some of that? And I was like, you know what? I've actually always wanted to do that. And he's like, so why aren't you doing that? There you and go. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, that's a ridiculous question. Of course, why aren't I doing that? <laughs> Well, that I, I mean, that's, I don't know if it's a ridiculous question. Just, I just would be like, well, yeah, I like doing a lot of stuff. I just don't know if I can make any money from all the stuff I like doing. Exactly. Like, it, 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 it had always been something in the back of my mind that I always kind of wanted to do. Yeah. And just to have, like, uh, uh, somebody say, well, do it, then then I, I started a store on Etsy and... Um, ended up making a whole bunch of connections with other people who do what I do. And I started doing like pop-up shops in Detroit and it got to the point where I was doing, I was making more money doing that than I was even just doing my part-time job at Starbucks. That's and awesome. yeah. How much of that job is just finding the clothes? Oh my God. Most of it. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago did you transition to, are you not working anywhere but doing your own thing right now? Um, I do still work 20 hours a week at Starbucks okay. for health insurance. Nice. Yeah. Because health insurance <laughs> is expensive. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, and that. I can't go without having kids and stuff. I can't not have it. So That's cool that they even offer that for part-time. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome super part-time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were some of the struggles you had? And then I guess in the interim, I think I kind of answered this question, but like, how did you support yourself financially? But it sounds like you slowly segued from full-time Starbucks down to part-time. And The segue of going from full-time to part-time was a huge struggle because I didn't have, I'm trying to start my own business. I didn't have an established clientele. I didn't have uh I mean, it's not like you just go into this and all of a sudden you're 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 making enough money to survive on because you have to. I, I didn't know what I was doing, and yeah. um, what was the first part of your question? I lost. <laughs> yeah, I have like three in one questions. Um, <laughs> just some of the struggles you had, and then like how that worked. Finding, I mean, I guess for you financially, like how does that work with getting stuff? Like, do you have to have? Some sort of startup money, I imagine, to get the, the um, clothing, or do you have certain spots you look for, or you just get lucky sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's a huge. I have a a vast array of different places where I source stuff from, from thrift stores where I don't spend more than you know a couple dollars a piece on things, and um, you know, take them home and clean them up, and um uh estate sales and yeah ebay i'm just like i don't know it's such a, a niche thing and i'm wondering like other than your own taste and clothes and stuff like where does that knowledge come from like we, we kind of joked about it already about all like finding the stuff is more work than anything else but 
How um, do you how do you know what to look for? Is it just knowledge you've accumulated over the years, or did you do a bunch of research? Um, yeah, well, I actually I have a degree in fashion design. Oh. So well, there you go. <laughs> so I do know about about <laughs> clothes and and uh, but it is something that you uh, pick up because it's not current trends necessarily that I'm looking for. I'm looking for you know trends from yeah you know, 80 years ago and uh designer names d- names of designers who are no longer relevant so it's a lot of research and um and looking up labels and uh history and um i've always been a history buff so it kind of, that has helped that do shows um, like mad men help at all <laughs> dude, like i love mad men <laughs> <laughs> i just think like oh yeah i mean i feel like when s- shows like that become really popular you get some of that mainstream fashion trends that that kind of come in there yeah definitely like um all of these uh historical dramas and stuff the trends do kind of follow them like i watch everybody wants to look like the girls from briggerton right now (laughs) i can't bring myself to watch it um yeah i i was told it was um one of my friends referred to it as uh, mommy porn. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, nope. Not, not appealing to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a niche. That's funny. Um, do you ever, and I don't know, I think of this a lot in, in, in terms of like, um, I don't know, like, like artists and musicians and stuff, but do you, do you feel like you get any sort of imposter syndrome as as like, I run my own thing and like, I know my shit and, and, or do you, you know? Uh, yeah, totally. Because I do see people who, who do what I do, who, um, in my eyes are geniuses and brilliant. And it's so like their, their, their collections are so cultivated and, and, uh, curated and, and, there's this girl that I've been following on Instagram that I completely admire and she's got such a beautiful story. And I, I sent her a little message, something like, um, you know, you've kind of been a, an inspiration to me and I love your collection. Your story is so beautiful. And she responded with like, I love your store too. And I was like, no, you don't. You don't know who I am. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> But so yeah, that imposter syndrome is totally real. That's funny. I, I wonder just like you mentioned it earlier, how much networking has helped you just like finding other dealers and, and, and you get to discuss like such a, such a niche market with each other. Um, yeah. I, um, no. Somebody, when I first started contacted me through like messenger on Etsy or something and asked if I wanted to be part of uh, a group that sells in Detroit and they were at the Eastern market brewing company and wanted to know if I wanted to do a pop-up there, there were like 20 other vintage vendors there. And it was, it was, it was like a life-changing experience for me because I got to meet all of these other people and girls who had uh, shops in Detroit and like real actual stores. And I made such good connections there that I, one of the girls ended up opening a, she opened a store in Detroit with a a consignment shop for specifically vintage clothing. So now I, with my connection through uh, 
Easter market, I was able to uh, sell my clothes at her store in Detroit. So that's cool. So you got a bunch of different outlets that you're selling stuff through. Yeah. Yeah. I'm spread spread thin right now. I was going to say that's, you got to keep a track of all that's got to be crazy. Um, Sometimes I think about posting stuff on like multiple places and then I'm like, oh no, it'll sell somewhere and I'll forget to take it off somewhere else. And then I'll be like, yeah, uh, yeah that happens. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Yeah. I would, I'm I so would, sorry. I already sold it. Yeah. I'd do that all the time if I, if I did that. Um, thinking about people that might have like an idea, like uh, not exactly like yours, cause we don't want competition, but, <laughs> but just people that have an idea that are like, I don't think I, I don't know if I can do this. Like what advice would you give to anyone that's wanting to maybe start their own business or, or take that leap into kind of making this their main income or anything like that? Yeah. Something that, that worked, worked for me when I was starting out was to start small, to see if it would work for me to see if I could make the time for it to, um, see if there was a market out for what I had and what I was doing. Um, and I kind of let it grow organically. Yeah. I started with an Etsy shop with like five or 10 things I was selling on it. And then um, now I have my own website that I sell off of. And I, uh, like I said before, I uh, consign a, a shop in Detroit and um, I, I've tried a lot of different things that didn't end up working. Like I had a booth at Canterbury village for a little while and that's not, that didn't really take off. So you kind of have to, um, learn some valuable lessons through that or. Yeah. And when something fails, don't let it completely discourage you because I, everything I've tried wasn't great. Like I don't sell on Etsy anymore because their fees were too high and I wasn't doing great there. So, and I, tried selling at Canterbury village, my customers weren't there. So I didn't last there, but little failures, shouldn't keep you from trying to go for a bigger success. Yeah. Awesome. Well, where can, uh, where can people find little bit vintage? Uh, my website's littlebitvintage.com. Um, and I'm a little bit vintage, little bit underscore vintage on Instagram. Did somebody, take, did somebody take it without the underscore? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I just wanted it to be two words. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I'm, I'm mostly active on, on Instagram. I, I try selling everything there first before I move it to my website or anywhere else. So. Okay. Um, also old soul vintage in Detroit is the store that I sell at. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, but are you looking forward to no pandemic so you can do stuff down there a little more often? Oh my God, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm.